Guten Tag an Willkommen bei Goblet of Wine, einem betrunkenen Harry Potter Podcast. Ich hieb Charlie. Und meins ist Hannah. Und wir sind, wir sind wahnsinnig, die unser Lieben glücklich aus der Kindig noch immer lassen mit so starkem Alkohol und Sinsimus. In der heutigen Folge werden wir an mit den Kapitellen an Elf und Zwolf befassen Prisoners Command. I just realized like halfway through you doing this how offensive this sounds. Is that it? Is that the end? That's it. Um, Hi, I'm Hannah. This is Goblet of Wine. We're drinking German alcohol. We decided to be racist whilst doing this intro. I'm sorry. Neither of us speak German and we did that from Google Translate. You just said hyper instead of like a harbor. I'm dyslexic, Hannah. Are you being ableist? <laughs> yes. Right. Um, um, it's Goblet of Wine. We're doing Prisoner of Azkaban. Woo! Someone told me it was like drinking alcoholic grass over a DM. Nice. Well, we're halfway there. <laughs> Hi, welcome back. We're absolutely wankered because we are recording this off the back of um, the Butterbeer episode. Yeah, and you didn't that, even. There was your entire pint of Butterbeer is still there. Because it was. Down it fresher. Stop trying to make that happen. It's not going to happen, Hannah. So today we have a very, very um, special, lovely episode. If you, you may have been able to tell from the intro, this episode is dedicated to our favourite country, Germany. Germany. Uh, basically, a extremely kind listener sent us a care package of alcohol, um, which we'll be trying in a minute, sweets and t-shirts, which we're not wearing right now. Yeah. Put the fucking t-shirt on. Uh, a super lovely letter. So thank you so much, Thank Fiona. you so much. This was Fiona. It was like the nicest thing. And we are going to record an episode, some more, lots of episodes in the t-shirt at some point. But I'm looking at Charlie like, you didn't bring it to my house today, did you? I bought it last time. I know you did. And then we didn't have time to record that. Yeah. But no, thank, thank you, you so, so much. Thank you so much. I've already worn the t-shirt so much. I'm yeah, very excited it. by the whole thing. Yeah, I know. It's amazing. So thank you so much. So yeah, this is a German-themed episode German to say themed. thank you. And I we, love Germany. We are so sorry about just butchering your language. That seemed like a... You really... have a very difficult language. Yeah, and also we Google translated it, so that's already going to be incorrect. But yep. it seemed like a really good idea earlier and then we got halfway through it like mm, that sounds bad it just sounded offensive i'm really sorry <laughs> but i love germany germany's a great country it's such a good country we've I... both been to berlin in the last year and loved it yeah i went for work literally like a couple of months ago and that's where i got my harry potter tattoo yeah. in berlin i love it amazing yeah. um no big big fan of germany big despite, fan of germany you know and before we try the alcohol, we have a few thank yous to do. So first we have three new Patreons. So thank you to Regina, Danny Knowles and Jen S. All three of you are helping the podcast in 
unbelievable ways like you're helping support us so much and we are so so grateful for your support so thank you so much for donating to our patreon remember if you'd like to donate to our patreon there are so many benefits including bonus episodes access to the discord which we join in with almost daily and you get to find out way too much information about our personal lives it's actually quite terrifying and if you are a producer of our patreon you get to choose our alcohol for an episode so have a look at our patreon it's patreon.com slash goblet of wine lots of bonus things over there but thank you so much to regina danny and jen for helping support us more thank yous to some reviews that we got left so big thank you to samert who said did i need another harry potter podcast no no did i want this one hell yes, yes. <laughs> and another big thank you to kate cat who says so good and that she loves the random tangents that we go on thank you that's good because there's a fucking lot of there's them. a lot of them so we got left an alcohol called Yagstolt. and then it's other name and it comes in the cutest tiny like we've got like the miniature bottles and it's the cutest <clears throat> thing i've ever seen they're so adorable i want to keep them and put little things in them i don't know what i want to put them i'm not gonna finish that crowd crowd to liqueur now i know enough german to know liqueur means alcohol and krauter if i go off sauerkraut means some sort of like vegetable thing as in like cabbage i feel like you're just guessing yeah i am but i'm pretty sure somebody told me it was some like grass thing so i'm pretty sure this is like cabbage like i could be so wrong i, I think you're wrong to me it just smells like jaeger it and, does smell like jaeger and to me jaeger smells like university <laughs> club like sticky toilet cheers not toilet carpet cheers oh my god so that was concerning because as i went to drink it and like put the glass to my mouth and tried to drink it my eyes started burning from being near it my heart is burning it's literally on fire that's like bad jaeger we love it thank you thank you fiona <laughs> thank you um, i'm not sure you gave us this as like a treat yeah um you want lemonade with that oh no that is that, no really it's nice, nice now. yeah really nice fiona sent us some harry bows ritter freunder Freunder means friends, right? They're shaped like dragons. I love it. That's Oh, they're big. Tastes like our Haribo. They're nice. Yeah, nice. I like that they're dragon shaped. So, I've had a rumour. Rumour has it. Yeah, that um, we're supposed to talk about Harry Potter what? on this podcast. What? I think that's how it started. Now it seems like we just do dumb shit. <laughs> like... Do tea leaves and drink butterbeer and attempt we to speak do, German. What are we going to do by book seven? I know, because I'm really enjoying <laughs> these little, like, themed What the fuck gimmicks. are we going to do by book seven? <gasps> Let's do an episode camping. <laughs> I was about to say no, but I'm like, yeah. Yes. Anyway, Chapter 11. The, the Firebolt. Firebolt. Back at Hogwarts and Harry digs out his photo album of his parents. He's basically looking for Sirius and the main thing he comments on when he finally finds a picture of Sirius is how handsome he once was yeah. and how those good looks have now so, gone. So this is where J.K. Rowling has ruined the entire plot twist because as we know, if Harry thinks someone's fit, then they must be good. Right. Harry wants to shag Sirius. Obviously. So we know from this very line, Sirius is good. Well, no, because in later books, he says that Bellatrix is hot, but has lost those looks in Azkaban. But she's not a good character. And it's the same with Sirius. He was hot and has lost those good looks in Azkaban. But exactly, she's... 
but he still kind of does want to shag Sirius later on. Like she's kind of, but also like I feel like you can't have made Bellatrix ugly because if you made her ugly, you couldn't have cast Helena bon- Bonham Carter. And that's the that only would reason. have been a fucking travesty. Like, come on. But yeah, he basically is like Sirius is evil now because his good looks have gone. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, once upon a time I would have shagged, but, um... So Harry's so concerned about all the news he's learned that he... He shook. He sleeps in real late and finally goes down to the common room around lunchtime. nightmares about it. And he finally falls asleep around dawn and then doesn't get up till lunchtime. And he's really, like, having nightmares and really upset. But the scene he goes down to is one of these moments in Harry Potter, which for no explanation, I think it probably tells you something about my personality, because in book seven I have, like, a whole reveal about something I feel about something similar I made that sound more dramatic than it is but he goes down to find like Harry and no Hermione and Ron like on the sofas Ron's massaging his stomach as he eats a peppermint toad and Hermione's doing our homework and they're the only ones in the common room and I honestly find this the cutest most beautiful amazing scene I can imagine and like, if there was a moment to enter myself into the books, it would be here as like Hermione and Ron are just having this little moment in the common room when they're just there together. And yeah, I don't know. I just find it a moment I want to bottle and like walk around with me. Yeah. Is that weird? No, I mean, definitely beats the moment where Harry walks down in the morning and Ron has a bent over one of the armchairs. What? 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 Anyway, Harry um, is unsure whether he wants Black dead. Uh, they go and visit Hagrid and he's crying because mm. being like investigated. Is that the word? There's a like, hearing we'll that will decide yeah. whether he's going to be executed. So Hagrid's doing a sad. Mm, he's, he's really a, he's, sad. He's a bit sad. And they're all trying to comfort Hagrid. Hermione's like, we're going to research all this stuff. And Harry's like, Lucius Malfoy's an idiot. And Ron's like... I'll make us some tea. Mm. And it's just further confirmation that I am Ron. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, and Ron's like, it's what my mum does when people are upset. And I'm like, yeah, it's the right thing to do. Tea is there for when people are sad, when people are happy. Like, every time I go into a sobbing fit, my mum's like, do you want some tea? And it does help. So Ron's in the right here. Yeah. The British thing is to offer tea in all situations. If you've just, like, d- got good news, have tea. If you're crying, have tea. If someone's just died, you make a cup of tea. It's yeah. honestly just what you like. I, like, that is what you do. You get news that someone's dead and you're like... If someone tea? has a fatal allergic reaction to tea and you don't like them... Tea. Tea. More tea. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Tea all the time. Tea, tea, tea. Can you tell we go a bit too heavy-handed on the British podcast thing? We just want Apple to put us on the list and because we're British. (laughs) At Apple. At Apple. So Harry gets gifted the firebolt and Hermione... She's she's not liking it. She's um, She's not liking it. I mean, it's now Christmas Day. It's it's now Christmas Day. You forgot to say it's... It's Christmas! Christmas! When's this episode coming out? No way near Christmas. Harry um, gets gifted the firebolt and Hermione's like... Hermione has a good point. She's got a good fucking point. Everyone else is wrong and Hermione is right in this chapter. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Like, as usual. Uh, So, Professor Trelawney... Wait. I just wrote Hermione's goals because she's put tinsel around Crookshanks' neck. Anyway, so Professor Trelawney actually joins them for Christmas dinner. And she has a bit of a moment when she's like, no, I can't sit down. 
because then there will be 13, 13 at the table and when 13 die the f- dying the first to rise will die and then McGall McGall's cat lady is like um just sit the fuck down and then she's like okay like knowing that like okay if you actually believe that if 13 will die dying someone's gonna die if you sit down you're doing a murder basically yep Trelawney's just like cool okay I have a theory here. Yeah. And this is the theory from online. I didn't come up with this myself. Don't go on your phone! Just because I, I have a point. But they're really boring. So there's this like theory online that I've read before that... So 13... who Obviously, if we follow Trelawney's thing, mm. she believes that 13 who die together the first to rise. And either Harry or Ron are the first to rise, but they are not the first to die out of the table. Yeah. However... There is already a 13th person at the table before Trelawney sits down because Scabbers is in Ron's pocket, making 13 people. And the first to rise when when Trelawney enters, Dumbledore rises to greet her, making him the first to rise out of the 13 at the table and him the first to die. But it says when 13 dine, at that point they hadn't dined and even if they had was... Peter they were eating at that point, and yet Peter? you know that Ron was sneaking him snacks. Mm, it, it, I'm just it saying is. it's a theory it online, is. and Dumbledore is the first to die out of the thirteen. So yeah. technically, her prediction is but, not wrong. Mm, it seems, it seems I'm just saying it's something also, people say online. Yeah, I like, surely thirteen people dine together a lot. Well, uh, well, actually, the 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 prediction isn't completely made up by Trelawney. It actually has basis in Jesus's last meal because Judas yeah. is the thirteenth person to join. Jesus rises, yeah. and then Jesus dies yeah. the next morning because Judas like, betrays him. It's, you're just, you know. Oh, I know. I'm just saying that J.K. Rowling didn't make up this. No, no, no. I know. I, I, I guess that she didn't. But I'm just saying that, like, it's clearly not a thing because 13 people definitely eat together. I'm gonna invite time. you to a dinner with 13 of us, and we'll see. And then I'm gonna be like, "Oh, Neil, can you just stand up and pass me that?" Uh, oh, uh, why do you want Neil Sorry. to die? First person that came to my head. Wow. I know. I'm a cunt. Then McGonagall says the line. So after Sybil kind of shuts up about McGonagall being like, oh, sit down. Later, Sybil like starts panic again, panicking again when Harry and Ron both stand up at the same time. And McGonagall claps back with the line, unless there's a mad axeman waiting in the entrance hall to murder the first person that enters, I think they're okay. Which is just the best thing I've ever read. Like McGonagall is just, at this point, I imagine her a bottle of wine down. Yeah. Just like, well, if there's an axe man in the entrance hall, then it's a I just imagine yeah. all the teachers at this point are smashed, and the oh, yeah. the, pe- the 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 students aren't just aren't noticing. And then the boys are just being the cunt to Hermione. They're yeah, not speaking to her. Yeah, because Hermione asks Professor McGonagall to come up to the common room because Harry's got this fireball, because she suspects and McGonagall agrees it could be from Sirius Black. And the boys have refused to speak to her. And it, it's the most irritating storyline. Yeah, it's so unfair. It's so un- so in the right. And the thing is, she is right. The broom was given to Harry by Sirius Black. And yeah. even though it isn't jinxed or whatever, Hermione is not doing this out of any place of spite or not wanting Harry to have that fireball. Yeah. She's doing it because she loves him and doesn't want to see him be thrown from his broomstick to his death. Mm. And him and Ron, who it has nothing to do with, 
take it as a personal assault and refuse to speak to her for months. Yeah. I, they're, they're dicks. But they are, like, at this point, like, 13. 13 year old oh, boys I know, I know. Who, but they're just the worst. I know. Just, like, yeah. it's written in, it makes sense for 13-year-olds, but the fact that they do it and... Like, later in the next chapter, Hermione is constantly sitting on her own. We know she doesn't have really any friends outside of Harry and Ron. Mm. And they still do it to her over this. Yeah. They're just dickheads. They're really dickheads in this bit. I hate it. They are. They're the worst. They're the worst. Chapter 12, The Patronus. The boys aren't speaking to Hermione and Harry starts his Dementor lessons with Lupin using a bogger, which is just really fucking smart. Really smart. So Harry's happiest memory is when he first rode a broomstick, which is just really sad. That should not be your happiest. Like, it's such, like, a stupid superficial thing. It's not even, like, something to do with, like, Ron and Hermione. It's just like, yeah, when I got this penis metaphor between my legs. Well, some people really like sport. You're not into sport. I'm not into sport. Maybe we don't understand how much people like sport. But even if you like the sport, uh, still friends and stuff and I just like really like that moment okay here's a question not not even the moment he found out he was a wizard well that's the moment he chooses for the last time he fights it and it actually works Mm. that's the moment he chooses in the end but I'm just I'm just saying Harry's being a dumbass I think he's being superficial 13 year old emotional intelligence going on here because he's 13 yeah yeah but yeah well I wrote down what memory would you choose hmm Probably when I got my first graduate job. Fuck, is that really lame? No. That's the first thing out of the top of my head. What would you pick? I have this memory. I like. I don't know if it... <laughs> it's always just a memory that comes to my mind. Like, at the end of sixth form, we all... Like, a group of, like, eight of us went to Blenheim Palace. And we drove there. And there's this moment when we were driving back where there was no one else on the road. And this is super dangerous, by the way. Don't do this. So we started racing the two cars down the dual carriageway. But it was just like... We were really close to our town. And when I say racing, we're like 70 miles an hour. We're not like 110 miles an hour. And like... But I just remember, like, we just finished exams. We'd all found out we'd got into the universities we wanted to go to. And it was our last thing we were doing all together before we all went off to university and I just always think about that moment like and it's probably like film thing where the windows are rolled down and the breeze is coming in the car and we're both laughing out the windows as we as we like try to beat each other down the dual carriageway and it's just like not worrying about anything else happiness like we were just about to go to uni we just finished school there was nothing else to worry about yeah so I I do always think that's like a happy memory with nothing else tinging it and it's just like that film memory where the music's playing and you're going down the road. Yeah. But yeah, I think also like, no, when I first got like my internship, like that was like fucking happy. I remember finding out. Yeah. Like, yeah, I I feel like I definitely have other good ones, but like literally just off the top of my head. Like, where were you when you found out? Um, I was like upstairs in my bedroom at my parents' house where yeah. I was living at the time. Yeah. And then like I got the call... And she was like, oh, we'd love to offer you the job. And then told me all the details of the job, like the salary and the start date and stuff. And then like, I literally, it was like white noise. I just like, kind of like just blacked out. Yeah. And then she was like, is that okay? And I was like, yeah. I'm really sorry. You're going to have to repeat all that. I was like, I, I didn't get any of that. Like literally didn't take in any of that. And then she like told me and as she was like telling me, I was like running like across the hallway, like down the stairs. And then like, she told me and I was like, yeah, like amazing, cool, good. Yeah. And then like hung up and then like, 
burst into the lounge sobbing and it was like kind of one of those ones where like I'd had so many job interviews and like had so many rejections because I was like going for jobs that just like I didn't want to do yeah and then you sound really cocky to be like you leave like oh yeah I got that and obviously I didn't think about it that way at all but you kind of you do know and everyone around me knew so they like, were like waiting for you to get the call. Yeah, like you just like just like my mum and my boyfriend at the time and everyone were just like like no, we knew like even though you didn't say like you could just tell from like the way you were before the interview that like you were gonna get it. Yeah. So then it was like when I like walked into the room sobbing, my mum just instantly knew. Yeah. Like, so I was working full time when I got the call. So I was temping because I was. I had spent a year and a half trying to find out what I wanted to do, what grad job I wanted to do. So I was temping at the time and I got the call and nobody was in the room at that time. Like everyone was in an important meeting, which I was invited to because I was the temp, which was normal. And I got the call and I was sitting in the room like, oh my God, oh my God. And I didn't know what to do when I hung up because I was like, who am I going to (laughs) tell? And bear in mind, I was really good friends with the people I was temping with, but they were in an important meeting. I walked out the room I was in, walked into the meeting room and just stood in front of their meeting room like... (laughs) (laughs) And they were like going through the window like, we're on a call, but did you get it? And Uh I was like, yeah. And I was crying in front of their meeting room and they were all through the window like... (laughs) Yes! And they'd be like, yes, we understand this thing on this important call while they were like, ha, yeah. no, ha, no. Anyway, tweet us with what your happy memory would be. And then also, what would your Patronus? What's your Patronus? We've done a bonus episode on this. Um, polar bear. Is that from no, Pottermore no, no, or your that's own? that's just what it would be. Okay, mine would be I'm a sorry, giraffe. Pottermore's bullshit. Bullshit. So yeah. mine would be a giraffe, obviously. Mine would be a polar bear. So Pottermore says mine's a hedgehog, which I still like. Yeah, I can't remember what mine was. It was something. Something bullshit. But mine's a giraffe. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it would be a polar bear. Anyway, that was a long tangent, but I hope you all liked our soppy life stories. Yeah. I, I love the whole Patronus thing because it is just one massive ejaculate metaphor. If the Dementors are a metaphor for depression, for depression then this is basically like... Wank away wank, depression? Wank away depression. I'm not sure doctors prescribe wank away depression. Is this where I've been going wrong? Harry, like, he's he's kind of in this really hard place that was actually a point where I almost teared up reading this, despite the fact that I was in a pub, <laughs> where Harry keeps thinking about the fact that he obviously wants to get the Dementor away, but he kind of wants to hear his mum's voice because he realises mm. he's never heard it that he can remember. And this was the point where I was like, fuck this book is so much darker than the other yeah. two. And it's nothing to do with monsters. Nothing in this book is darker, like, monster-wise. Mm. But emotionally, this book is so much more mature. Yeah. It's the equivalent as, it, like, if you somehow, like, years later discovered a voice message yeah. of your mum getting murdered and you purposely, repeatedly listen to it just to hear her voice. And you know you have to stop to be able to move on with your life, but you can't stop. Yeah. And it you're is just like repeatedly that. repeatedly hearing her being murdered and later in the chapter he literally has to have a word with himself like they're dead and nothing you can do hearing them again will not bring them back yeah and that is so emotionally mature for a book set with 13 year olds i was like tearing up thinking about a 13 year old trying to process this kind of information exactly like at this point harry is a child haunted by the sound of his parents' moment from moments from death and having nightmares about their best friend 
betraying them leading to their death yeah how the fuck do you deal with that exactly and there's no therapist luckily lupin is such a good teacher he's telling lupin so one of the times the dementor kind of knocks him out um he says i heard my dad i heard my dad for the first time and lupin has quite a kind of shocked reaction which is obvious because he was best friends with james and that's how harry finds out lupin was friends with james but thank god lupin is trustworthy enough to be able to tell otherwise Mm. harry would be keeping this all to himself yeah like later in this chapter he does burst no in i think in the previous chapter he does burst out to rod and hermione like you do you know why here do you know why here when the Mm. dementors come near i hear my parents being murdered so they do know but i'm really glad he's telling an adult because i was literally reading this chapter like i need to help him yeah and it's like he's lupin is not only like teaching him how to battle the dementors but he's also like emotionally like helping him through like processing the fact that he has no choice but to be surrounded by something that make him relive the worst part of his life and hear his parents being murdered when he's supposed to be in his like school environment and supposed to be safe but he is surrounded for his alleged safety quote unquote yeah something that's just causing him emotional trauma yeah it's fucking horrific on the plus side, McGonagall finally gives the firebolt back. And Harry manages to produce a silvery mist to keep the Dementors away. So he can't produce a full one, but he manages to produce a, a mist. He's only 13. Yeah. Oh, I basically had some more notes about Dementors, basically saying that Harry continues lessons with Lupin. Lupin brings in Butterbeer and Harry almost blows the whole thing with being like, I've had that! Yeah. Um, And then you find out Oh, I wrote a note about how basically you find out in this chapter that Dementors suck out souls, Mm. which I believe is the first time we've had confirmation in these books that in the in the canon of Harry Potter, souls are a tangible thing. Yeah. And I wanted to get really deep and just talk about like, do you believe in like souls being a tangible thing? I've never thought about this before. I only have because of the Harry Potter books. Because Uh, the idea of souls being a tangible thing is a very religious idea. And the books aren't that religious. Like book seven gets a little bit metaphory with Mm. religion. But we know J.K. Rowling is like somewhat Christian. Like she turned to Christianity a bit when her mother died, which is like understandable. But I think the idea of souls being real reflects her Christian upbringing because it's, it's quite an alien idea to me, at least. Souls being a real tangible thing. Yeah. I'm going to go with no. Yeah, I don't. Because when you think about Horcruxes, Horcruxes are a portion of a soul, which implies a soul is a real thing. But if we're both sitting here like, well, souls don't exist, then Horcruxes are something that could never exist in our own heads. Yeah. Like, I can at times be a slightly spiritual person, but not. Yeah. No. 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 Not for me. Not at the moment, but things change in life. Yeah. And great respect to people that are religious oh yeah 100 percent. Just... all spiritual it doesn't have to be religious yeah. souls are some are somewhat just a spiritual and yeah. i do see that like i understand the concept that everything that we know about biology is just like blood beating brain firing things i can't yeah. think of the words because i'm drunk but what the hell makes us all different from each other if we all have the same brain and heart mm-hmm. And souls is a really good explanation for that. An explanation that makes sense if you don't know loads about 
biology, I guess. I don't and know. Psychology. And psychology. Yeah. But there's there's the argument that even your past experiences, you know, like twins can be raised in exactly the same way and end up completely different. And what's yeah. making them different? It's like biology. nature versus nurture. Yeah, exactly. I do think that in some areas of life and stuff, there's kind of like more than we know and more than we see. Yeah. I think souls, for me personally, this is not, one of those things where I see it because I think that we like have the explanation. Yeah. Um, I don't really think they're souls. I think that you could argue that a combination of biology and psychology forms something that you could refer to as some kind of soul type thing, more like the ego, but not the ego. And you could maybe argue that that's kind of the modern equivalent of the soul. Yeah. But I don't think that there is a soul in a, it can be sucked out of you. No, I don't believe that. But, I find it interesting that these books, which are... <laughs> I know there's magic in them, but they try to remain real in the way that, like, the muggle world is as real as ours. Like, it's yeah. the same world with just magic. So I find it interesting that J.K. Rowling included souls as a separate tangible thing, because that's different to most people's... A lot of people's understanding of the world. In England. Yeah, exactly. I don't know every other country. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're very, very secular here. Exactly. Um, so they come across Neville, who has been locked out, and he mentions that he wrote down the week's worth of passwords and dropped and them, lost them yeah. which is a very important little nugget. tidbit. Nugget. You did, said you didn't like the word no, nugget. That's why I just said it. Um, so then the boys decide to be friends with Hermione again because the firebolt came back with nothing wrong. So they're like, so I guess we'll talk to Hermione again. I'm like, fuck you fuck you and your attitude towards this yeah and i i feel like if it had come back that there was an issue with it they wouldn't have started talking to her again because they would have been too embarrassed to say thank you yeah it's only because they're right that they go and talk to her they wouldn't have admitted they were wrong i hate them in this moment i know they are such little dickheads yeah they're just men but as they go back to talk to her ron and harry both admit they want to like build bridges but ron goes upstairs to drop the fireball off, finds blood on his bed sheets, scabbard's gone, and cat hairs on the floor. So it goes back down and screams at Hermione that Crookshanks has eaten Crookshanks has eaten scabbers. And that's how yeah. the chapter ends. I really wish that he had. <sighs> well, I want to talk more about how both Ron and Hermione are in the wrong in the next chapter. Oh yeah, big time. Like big Hermione time. is also a dick in this book. Hermione's a dick in this book. It's but interesting that reasons. they're but it's interesting that they're all dickheads in this book. Like yeah. I'm angry at all of them right now, but I think that's a good thing because you're writing about thirteen year olds and who of us wasn't a dickhead at thirteen? I have always been perfect. I've never done a single wrong thing in my life. You're so wrong about yourself, it's unbelievable. Name one bad thing that I have done. I, you don't want me to get into that on I, the podcast. I've, I've never done a single wrong thing in my life. You were definitely I, a terrible 13-year-old and I know that. I, even though I wasn't there, I just know. Yeah. I was a terrible 13-year-old. You were a terrible 13-year-old. These are terrible 13-year-olds, but it's frustrating to read them about them all knocking heads and I'm just like, stop it! Stop yeah. it. Be nice to each other. What did you think of these two chapters? I've already forgotten what happened in them. Mm-hmm. I think they're frustrating. I get really frustrated about the way that they are treating each other. And there's, there's, you know, they're 
Harry has reason. Hermione has reason. Ron is just being a twat. Yeah. Ron has... Well, he has reason now because he thinks his rat's been eaten and that is reason. But before this, he didn't. Yeah. He was just being a dick. I just... Yeah. I find it frustrating the way that they're treating each other in these chapters. I'm glad that, like, plot is finally starting to happen because... And it's really good little nuggets. This entire book so far, honestly... It's just world building. It's just like... You but I love that. So much. Like, I do. I love it. But just in terms of like podcast fodder, <laughs> we're like, so this chapter, they had more lessons. And then they had more Quidditch. And there's so many... The thing with this book is it's apart from the overhearing bit, which was just mm. exposition, it is like nuggets drop throughout that build Please to this... Please stop saying nuggets. Nuggets drop throughout this build to this final thing in the end, which I love. But yeah, you're right. It is kind of like... And then they had a lesson, and then they had some Quidditch, yeah. and then they had a lesson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, um, we're gonna go because I kind of feel like I might need to vomit because of all the shit. Oh, I, I feel less vomity now. I'm I'm like ready to go. I could go to. Do you want to go to a club? No. Let's go to a club. Bye, guys. We're gonna go out. Whoop, whoop, whoop. We're not going that was out. Really annoying. Thank you for listening to this episode of Goblet of Wine. To keep up with us in between episodes, you can find us on Twitter at Goblet of Wine Pod, on Instagram at Goblet of Wine Podcast, and on our website at www.gobletofwine.co.uk. You can also leave us a rating and review on iTunes or on Facebook. Thank you so much to our producer-level patrons, Amanda, Mark, Sandra and Danny, for their help supporting this podcast. If you'd like to support us, as well as gaining access to behind-the-scenes content and bonus episodes... Check out our Patreon on patreon.com slash goblet of wine. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and we'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye!